Thank you for choosing to listen to the Emmaus Radio Ministry Podcast. Each of these messages were given by various faculty, staff, and friends of Emmaus Bible College. To view each series as a whole or for more information about similar Emmaus ministries, please visit concerninghim.com. In the letter that the Apostle Paul wrote to the churches of Galatia, in chapter 3, at the beginning, we read as follows. O foolish Galatians, who has bewitched you? It was before your eyes that Jesus Christ was publicly portrayed as crucified. Let me ask you only this. Did you receive the Spirit by works of the law or by hearing with faith? Are you so foolish? Having begun by the Spirit, are you now being perfected by the flesh? Did you suffer so many things in vain, if indeed it was in vain? Does he who supplies the Spirit to you and works miracles among you do so by works of the law or by hearing with faith? Just as Abraham believed God, and it was counted to him as righteousness. That was Galatians 3, 1 through 6. The Apostle Paul, as we have been considering before, is responding to a crisis in the churches that was established through his first missionary journey in the Roman province of Galatia. These churches had been influenced by or come under the teaching of some people who followed Paul in places where he had proclaimed the gospel and taught the word of God with the intent of distorting the gospel. The message preached by Paul was very clear. Jesus Christ, the Messiah, the Son of God, he died on the cross and rose again for the sake of our salvation. Jesus has performed all that is necessary for a sinner to be made right with God. This was a simple message the gospel. Christ has performed everything on behalf of the sinner. His work is not only sufficient, it is essential. It is essential and sufficient for the justification of sinners, for sinners to be acquitted of their guilt before God. When I turn to Christ in faith and see him as my substitute, the one who bore my guilt, God reckons, accounts the righteousness, the perfection of Christ to my account. This is unbelievable but this and fabulous, but this is the message of the gospel. It is entirely secured for the believer by Jesus Christ through his perfection and his work of sacrifice on the cross of Calvary. Now, the distorters of the message who were following Paul, not only initially in Syria in Antioch, but then went to the places where he had established church, these in western Turkey, and even later, as we find in the epistle to the, to the Philippians, into the European uh, arena, 
to Philippi and other places where Paul had preached the gospel. They had followed him and kind of turned the message this way. Yes, Jesus is the Messiah. You ought to believe in him, but you also should do all of the works and the regulations of the law that God gave through Moses. But this was not the gospel because nothing that we do in outward religion, symbolic things, regulations of observing special days, or here, particularly, the observance of the outward rite of circumcision for the males, none of those really add anything to the work of Christ. And so, at the end of the previous chapter, Paul actually says to them, if righteousness were through the law, the law of Moses, through the keeping of regulations by ourselves, if that is sufficient to make us right before God, then Christ died for no purpose. Why did the Son of God die if we are capable of securing the righteousness and the right standing before God by our own works? Christ had to die, not simply to kind of add anything deficient in us, but to make it possible for anyone at all to be saved. So we are not saved by the work of Christ and ours own added to it for added measure or anything deficient. No, no, the work of Christ in itself is 100% sufficient. And if you don't have him, you do not have what it takes to be right with God. Because, as Paul says elsewhere, we have all come short of the glory of God. All have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. So, if a right standing before God is through our own external observances of rules and regulations. And why did God, the Son of God, have to leave heaven, enter into a true human experience, experience of being a human being in this dismal, miserable, pathetic, corrupt world, and navigate his way through it in absolute, perfect obedience to the will of God in heaven? And then go to the cross to suffer and to die. So if righteousness is through the law, Christ died for no purpose. And then, so at the beginning of chapter 3, he says to the, the Galatians, all foolish Galatians, you are so quick to move away from the wonderful and true gospel I have given you, which is from God, all of the arguments, leading up to here, has been the gospel was not of human origin. Paul was not taught it. He did not invent it. He did not discover it. It was not some tradition he had learned or picked up from anywhere else. It was the risen Christ himself who appeared to him on the road to Damascus, and the gospel was made known to him that way. So as all foolish Galatians, he says, who has kind of cast a spell on you? Sort of a of rhetoric. Many people, not only in the ancient world, also in the modern world, believe in things like evil eye and spells and witchcraft and things like that. There was a whole, not very, both from very ancient period and well into the modern period, a whole industry of 
casting spells and incantations and chants for uh, good purposes and bad purposes. So this would have been also been present in the, in the world to which the gospel went in the first century. So he's just speaking of this kind of a notion. He says, no, an evil spell is cast on someone to take, do something bad to them. So he's using this rhetoric. It's not as if that he is, Paul is believing that there was some magic involved. Obviously, all distortions of the truth come from the enemy, the devil, who is behind all corrupt religion and spiritual schemes. But he is simply using this language. I can understand how you would abandon the gospel, which is life-giving, and go to this distortion. Who has blinded your eyes? Who has cast a spell on you? And he says, considering the fact that in fact I drew the picture of Jesus Christ as having been crucified right before your eyes. It was before your eyes that Jesus Christ was publicly portrayed as crucified. He was publicly represented, just like Paul had drawn a picture of Jesus before them. They had seen him in their mind's eye as hanging on the cross for them. And the point is, why did Jesus die? If your own crumbs and feeble efforts somehow make up a deficiency in what he has done for lost sinners. So this turning away from the gospel to what is called legalism or reliance on external works of religion to somehow contribute to our standing before God. This is the blindness. They had turned away from the gospel. He said, who cast this spell on you? So in this section of Galatians, Paul is coming to a new argument. The first argument was that the gospel was not of human origin. Paul did not receive it from human sources. He was not made an apostle by people. He did not learn it in his tradition. He did not learn it from P Peter or James or John or anyone else in Jerusalem. None of his past interactions with the Jerusalem apostles really taught him the gospel. He already was preaching and they were in agreement with what he had done. His message and their message was the same message. They were in harmony. So in this section, the argument is just, oh, oh, Christians in Galatia, consider your own experience through the gospel. What is it that really gives us true, powerful, life-changing experiences from God? Are those things received when you come to God in faith? Do you get them? When you put your trust in Christ and God gives you his Holy Spirit? Or do you get them because all of a sudden you have begun to do the external requirements of a religious regulation and standard? So he proceeds to ask them the question this way. Let me ask you only this. Did you receive the Spirit 
by works of the law or by hearing with faith. It is very clear in the New Testament that in the apostolic ministry, God authenticated the message and the messengers by, by visible manifestations of the Holy Spirit working in the lives of those who receive the message. So this is very clear, even in the book of Acts, multiple places, not only in the day of Pentecost, when the Spirit first came, they were all speaking with, in different languages. Later on, when the apostle Peter went to the house of a Gentile named Cornelius, just as they believed before he had done anything, God had poured out a spirit on them, and they apparently were speaking in tongues, which confirmed to the apostle Peter that God had fully accepted them simply based on their faith in the message of the gospel, of which Christ is the center and focus. They have received Christ, and God had received them. Also in other places, as the gospel expanded, when it went to Samaria, which is really a religion uh, which uh, is a little bit removed from authentic uh, Israelite faith or Judaism. Even there, when they came to faith in the Messiah, when in Christ, uh, the apostles went down, laid hands on them, and they all received manifestations of the Spirit. We may assume that even in, in Galatia, during the missionary journeys, the work of the Spirit, not only assume, we know that the work of the Spirit was manifest. We know that he did miracles in those places so they could actually see. So, for example, in, in, the, in the places in more like in Lystra, uh, it is really seeing a miracle by the Apostle Paul that they made them first turn and pay attention uh, to Paul and Barnabas when they came proclaiming the gospel. So it is not mentioned in that connection, but it is also thinkable that in those contexts, as they came to Christ by faith, they also received manifest evidences of the Holy Spirit coming upon them. Why would now then, if they receive the superior things by faith, why would they now turn back to that which is simpler more elementary and basic and less something of the power of God. This is a question he poses before them for them to think through their own experience. Thank you for listening to the Emmaus Radio Ministry Podcast. This ministry is possible because of the generous contributions from our partners around the world. For more information about partnering with us, please visit emmaus.edu partner.